You're watching Channel 37, WHXN, New Salem. Well, I guess we're doing this. Tonight on Channel 37's Midnight Movie Show, we're staying up after midnight to endure cats. Because Jellical Cats drank too much Jill Cola. Alright, I'm like stupid excited to talk about cats. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well then. Hello and welcome. It is after midnight and I am Dan and with me are Wendy. Hi there. Will. Milk. <laughs> and joining us today uh we have lauren coming to us from uh from from just the place where people come from that like this kind of thing i don't know i'm very tired and i just watched cats lauren, <laughs> hi everyone how, how are you today <laughs> i'm great how are you i'm great thank you so much for coming on and uh being excited for this movie for some reason um <laughs> I know, I know. I'm the one. I'm the outlier. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited in a in a. It's not to say I'm a fan. I'm I'm excited because there's so much to say about it. Yeah, and I'm yes. about the musical. <laughs> it definitely lends itself to conversation. That is true. Yeah. Uh, Will you you came to us with this? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Explain yourself. <laughs> I mean, so going a little. Did do we want to just throw out a synopsis first? Or yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> About a dozen cats introduce themselves for two hours. At which point, Jennifer Hudson is allowed to die. Is that basically <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. No, and, and seriously, Will, would you like to kind of <laughs> give us a, a rundown? Okay, so the film version of Cats, not to be confused with the musical theater um version um centers on victoria who is a young who is a young white cat and she might be some kind of mutant hybrid as well we're not quite sure if their cats are some kind of monster who knows <laughs> the point is they dance they, and they say and they're having a bunch of cats are having the annual like jellical ball where um the oldest cat old deuteronomy is going to choose one of them to um be reincarnated into their next life <laughs> and meanwhile there's a evil cat named mccavity who is planning to go in mccavity <laughs> <laughs> who is um planning to try and make himself the only candidate how you're chosen is you sing a song about yourself and then old deuteronomy is just like that's the best song and chooses you to be reincarnated and mm -hmm. they anyway she ends up choosing um after mccavity gets defeated old deuteronomy chooses um grizabella who is this older cat who had once ran off with McCavity and all the other cats treated her like she was shit because she went and had she went and ran off with a evil thief cat. I don't know. They're the Jellicles or are just, judgy. you know, a cat. The Jellicles yeah. are judgy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, like after, you know, Jennifer Hudson flies off on the chandelier balloon into <laughs> heaven or wherever. Um then pretty much the cats all sing about what um what it means to be a cat. 
There's a lot of songs, and it's a lot of characters get introduced for one song and then disappear from the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> I uh, okay. Cats is probably the musical that got me into musical theater way back when I was much younger in sixth grade. Like my, I I was in choir. We ended up we were singing show tunes for that fall. Um, for the fall. Um, music program and so like and cats was one of them we did like a review of like five or six songs and then i it kind of i my mom bought me the soundtrack and i listened to it and you know my my gay little heart was just like oh (laughs) i like this this is fun this is fun and then i was like okay i wonder what the actual plot is though and then i found out there isn't a plot and i'm like okay cool but i've been kind of i've been big i was vaguely fascinated with you know this movie because it was in production hell for like years like it was one point going to be animated by um by don bluth's company and then that fell under and then and then eventually like yeah somebody has decided he was going to do it too wasn't he yeah. yeah there are so many people that were interested in it and then they decide let's not what a blessing in disguise right and eventually somebody <laughs> decided hey you know that guy that made that really dreary adaptation of les mis oh, why don't we <laughs> hear them cats <laughs> I'm giving I'm making a face right now for everyone listening of like <laughs> really? Yeah. But yeah, I mean honestly though it's a if you go in expecting, you know, the best thing you're ever going to see, you're going to be disappointed. If you go in expecting this weird fun move this weird movie of where it's basically a bunch of cats dancing and singing and occasionally, you know, something nightmare inducing happens, you're not going to be disappointed. If you want to be in a fever dream, part of a fever dream, uh, it's the movie to see. Yeah. I've somehow never watched this movie while under the influence. And I'm, I'm curious what it would be like, but I'm not going to try Like you, like I came from a musical theater place for Miss. This is one of the first shows I saw as a kid. And it was lucky enough. Okay. To be in a full length production of cats and at summer theater camp. And, you know, when you're at summer theater camp, you think you're on Broadway because that's that's your experience. But uh, also, if Cats by itself isn't weirdly horny enough, right. summer, summer theater camp Cats is just going to uh, be like. I mean, we were wearing <laughs> unitards. OK, we were wearing unitards. Uh, and McCavity, by the way, McCavity is a very, very loungy number. Um, and Rum Tum Tugger is really, I mean, Rum Tum Tugger, he's like the guitar hero cat. He is the rock star cat. Would you describe him that way? Yeah. He's like the <laughs> cat everyone, men, male, all cats, all cats fawn over um, and throw themselves toward. But yeah, the theater camp, theater camp kids and cats, I don't know. He's an interesting choice. <laughs> Unitards. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but cats itself as a musical is chaotic right it's not meant to be a story it is a collection it comes from a collection of poetry and andrew lloyd weber started this (laughs) he's the one who's like i love this poem book and um and there it went so but uh lauren yeah you know with with, you know you you, given your history with with the show can you like 
what were your like when you heard that this you know this was movie was coming out were you i'm assuming you were excited or interested at the very least i was excited i was definitely interested and i remember mm-hmm. turning to like you know wendy and a couple of other friends who were theater aficionados and saying oh yeah we're going to be there on opening night and i might dress up um <laughs> And then as it started getting closer, I was like nervous because I, when it comes to Broadway shows, especially musicals, I, you know, whole movies that come out like adaptations to high standard, like mm-hmm. maybe it was disappointing for me. And, um, and I was nervous. I was nervous about Cats because I didn't quite know. But then I started seeing the previews, the trailers, and I was like, they're taking humans who are dressed like cats or I didn't quite understand like what the CGI situation visually it looked strange. It looked mm-hmm. strange. Um, and that's kind of where it should have been the red flag, but I was really, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm just, I'm laughing because I'm like, they took the humans in unitard and cat costumes and made it weird. <laughs> weirder, right? Like it's as if you couldn't, so the Broadway show is weird. You're sitting there and you're like these folks, they use yak hair, like yak. Mm. Okay. Um, in the show and unitards or whatever painted mm-hmm. unitards. then in the movie it's like they wanted to use that visual but make it more make more realistic humans mm-hmm. dressed as cats it's like why not just jump that jump that chasm and make them cats like why don't we make <laughs> cats cats oh yeah you know okay. what i mean i think i would have appreciated them going whole hog or whole like cat. just have them be cgi cats yeah like, yeah, at okay. that point, right? We have the technology for this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thrown for sure. Yeah. But I was excited to that it, they were doing it. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to you because I know that your story and Wendy's kind of inter- intertwined uh, when yeah. it comes to actually seeing it. Wendy, uh, what is your your history with the musical? And uh, yeah. Well, so Cats is the first um, thing that I ever saw on Broadway. Um, mm-hmm. We went to uh, we went to New York on a trip in a family trip in 1986, and um, we all got to pick one thing. And my thing was actually not cats. That was the thing my mother picked. My <laughs> thing was to go. We ate at what is it? Horn and Hardstead. Like the la- we ate at the last automat, and that was my thing. Because um, I was weird. Because I was a weird 13 year old kid <laughs> obsessed with finding an automat. <laughs> so we're clear. Just so we're clear. Uh, <laughs> but we went to see cats. First, we'd, we'd grown up um, going to theater in Boston. Um, lots of Peter Pan, like the Nutcracker every year, random shows here and there, but nothing like this. Cats was, I don't know if it was revolutionary, but it was a whole different kind of theater experience, right? And um, I will I will, I will, never forget that, that going to that show. And somewhere along the way like while I was into a really different kind of a music I kind of became like a musical theater nerd like I can't sing I can't dance but I can plunk $18 down and buy a soundtrack <laughs> well I can't dance like that. I know you can dance <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that and, I certainly and I've heard you sing Sondheim and Harmony with me in the car so <laughs> thank you mm-hmm. I'm a huge Sondheim nerd um but this show is one like I bought this had the soundtrack on CD and listened to it a lot, and it's a fucking weird show, right? Because you know, like, like, like most people know, like it's not based on a story. There's no coherent plot line. Um, a lot of the songs are a little are, are not strong, but the ones that are strong are incredible. 
you know, and it's, it's a spectacle, you know, and it really is now and forever. (laughs) (laughs) Now and forever and ever. And ever. and ever, I love it. It was much better, better than, than I'm going to see it again and again. We are so old, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, when I heard the musical was being made, I'm like, "Yep, I'm in. Doesn't matter. I'm in." Like Lauren, we're going. Yeah. Well, as soon as the tickets are coming, we'll get tickets. But I didn't um, at the time didn't really understand that it was being done by um, Tom Hooper, and I have not seen his Lamez, and I've not seen his Lamez because Lamez is like one of the best shows that I think has been done outside of the Sondheim world, and um, I feel like he, from what I've seen, like he desecrated it, um, and I've since like done. Um, a lot of research. I'm doing finger quotes when I say that. And when I say I've done a lot of research, I mean, I watched a really great video essay about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what what he does to musicals, and that's absolutely what he did to Cats. And I think a big part of how he ruined the music and the performance of Cats is that he just doesn't, he's he's not from musical theater. He doesn't understand how musicals work. And he, he thinks he's doing cool things to shake up how musical theater works when in fact what he's doing is really shitty things to break how musical theater works and it is right. a tragedy that right. so many mil- this is like a hundred plus million dollar movie isn't it yeah i mean with ad with advertisement everything it was probably yeah. about 109 i think 190 is what i saw all of yeah. the money that went into this movie to make this complete entire shit show because he intentionally wanted to put his own vision of musical theater when he just does not fundamentally understand how musical theater works so this movie is like a massive disappointment and yet it remains a delightful guilty pleasure because while (laughs) most of the most of the songs many like the 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 songs that should be like the showstoppers i feel like are ruined um by what he let people do because they're not trained you know musical theater uh performers um things done by the company things done by like the less like people outside of like the heart of the cast um like like the skimble shanks number it's one of the best numbers in the show well he's a he's a dancer like he understands how music works and so he didn't fuck with it the I way was, that yeah. hooper like encouraged other people yeah. to fuck mm-hmm. with it anytime there's a number well done it's almost always led by somebody whose training is as a dancer or has a strong musical theater background. Yeah, I was going to bring up Skimble Shanks. I'm glad you we agree because Skimble. Oh, Shanks, we're going to talk about Skimble Shanks. Well, yeah, we're oh, going to yeah. talk about Skimble Shanks. <laughs> I, 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 it almost made me cry of, of like just joy. I was like, this is musical theater. There's like one glimpse of musical theater in this movie, and there it is. It's Skimble Shanks. But anyway, I digress. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, that's 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 kind of me, me and cats. Like, I. It's not really a hate watch because there are so there are a number of moments of absolute musical theater nerd ecstasy in it, but there's only a few. And for what they spent on this production, and for the way some of the cast are squandered, it's really it's it's a crime. Mm-hmm. And um, let's 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 have a, a white people podcast where we pick apart that crime. <laughs> <laughs> Like a, a, a few, a couple of episodes ago, um, as we record this, we talked about Repo. And one mm-hmm. of the things that we discussed is that you can't sit down and say, I'm going to make the next Rocky Horror. You know, you can't say, I'm going to make a movie that's so big and over the top that people make fun of it. And, and that's going to be where the entertainment comes from. 
it has to happen organically. And I feel like this is that. <laughs> this is a movie that was made with the intent of being just a big showstopper blockbuster. And instead it was just so beset by incompetence and grandiosity and just wrongheaded thinking <laughs> that people just found enormous entertainment value <laughs> sitting down and watching it. And I know, and again, well, I'm going to be getting to you back to you in, in just a second, but I do want to talk. Uh, I am asked Lauren and Wendy to kind of comment on this because I know that you both went to this movie in the theater and you, and you mentioned that, you know, you had a couple of pops in you and uh, were able to kind of have that in experience organically based on just what was unfolding in front of you can you kind of speak to that a little bit yeah i just want to start that conversation by saying wendy watching anything with wendy whether it be live theater or movie is so much fun because she will notice like we're both very into what goes on behind the scenes and in, in all of it but you know we were prepared to like go and just lose ourselves in the in the in the story quote i'm making air quotes again but with story um, yeah. but wendy is like amazing at picking out um visual discontinuity like she's she's able to so during the movie like we're in it we're watching and like within what 10 minutes or so you're like tapping me on the show look at his hand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take it from there <laughs> i think i made poor danny crazy tapping him like every seven minutes of the film like cat hands People ah, feet. cat feet people feet okay cat right feet. now look right now right now she has people feet she has cat feet. <laughs> she has people feet. She has cat feet. She has cat hands. Now you can see the clear and distinct line where her unitard ends. <laughs> and they haven't done any fill at all. Now she has people hands. Now she has cat. It's maddening because it's inconsistent. Okay. So um, the actors, like the, the production talks about how the fact that they didn't want to have the actress wear mocap suits. So instead what they had them wear was these leotards, which are basically like, mocap suit leotards like i don't get how they're different but i'm not a visual effects person well, i think um, one of them has balls <laughs> okay <laughs> they, didn't have, they have like little dots painted on instead of ping pong balls glued on is that basically it um and you know they have this desire to create realistic fur um and some of it looks okay and some of it looks like a ps2 game um and sometimes people are wearing fur coats which i think is just so that they don't have to deal with all that fur it doesn't make any sense at all um but so so the actors have bare feet and bare hands and so you know when they did all the cgi to put the fur on them and all the cat effects which would have been so much better done practically um mm -hmm. sometimes they do like a like they don't have like paws but they'll have like details of like cat fur like going down their fingers or feet but sometimes they don't have anything on their fingers or feet. And sometimes one of your major characters is visibly wearing her wedding ring. <laughs> and she's a, the dame. Talking mm -hmm. the dame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody reminded her to take it off. And she's just wearing it. Maybe they thought they were going to CGI it out with like cat detailing, but they didn't do any fucking cat fur on her hands. So she's just visibly got her fucking wedding ring on. Um. So, so it's inconsistent among the cats, but I could even tolerate that. Like, I could even tolerate if the principal cast had consistent cat fur details on their feet and hands, and they maybe don't bother with a full company. Like, I'm sorry, but that's sometimes what it means to be in the company, right? Mm -hmm. um, but no. 
<laughs> it's entirely inconsistent. Our our enti- our story is centered around um, Victoria, who is a nobody in the actual exactly. stage production. Exactly. She's just a random kitten who has like one ballet solo, but exactly. I guess that's why they used her because she was a blank slate with no story. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes she has beautifully detailed fur on her hands and feet, and sometimes she doesn't. And sometimes in the same dance solo, it goes it, as as they cut away from her and back to her, it goes back and forth, and it makes me absolutely fucking crazy. Yeah, but being with when like I I could feel the you being driven crazy, um, <laughs> and so that that was fun for it's always fun for me because once you start like once there's a thread to pull, and this was I mean this was a full on duvet like, <laughs> like you just can't stop. Um, I was in so I was happy there was a lot of kind of honoring the original in terms of choreography. I think Andy Blank and Bueller choreographed it. And he, it was handed to him as the Broadway revival from the original choreographer, Jillian Lynn, who recently passed away. And she was brilliant. And it was meant to be a dance musical, a dance show. And this is why Skimbleshanks was a highlight because he came from a ballet company um, and he was brilliant. And, but I was happy at least to see choreography honored. It helped with the rest of the disaster for me. Um, but you mentioned Victoria. Victoria in the musical is known as the dance cat, which is funny because everyone's dancing. But um, <laughs> she's just there to do a beautiful ballet solo in the moonlight. But then you can't get lost in that when what Wendy described is happening. <laughs> yeah. Like there'll be like a spin and sometimes you see the cat foot go by and sometimes it's a human foot. What is happening? <laughs> Hence the fever dream. It's like, yeah, it just it contributes to all of it. I don't think I'm high right now. Uh, what... <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't feel like two drinks should have me this riled up. Right. <laughs> acid in my drink? I, yeah, it's just. So, Will, um, what is it about this that, okay, why did you want to, first of all, why did you want to do this? Like, why was this the movie you wanted to discuss for this? Cause... I mean, because, like, well, pretty much, it, it, I think. I've actually had multiple people on Twitter this week, right? We've had to defend. <laughs> yes, this is a B movie mm-hmm. because it's a film that it's a film that had like big expectations. Like literally Universal was like pl- had their freaking Oscar campaign ready for this. They were going to run Ian McKellen for like best supporting actor. Taylor Swift was going to get an Oscar for best original song and all this other stuff. Like and they were also going to make tons of money because Les Mis did that. Moulin Rouge did that. Chicago did that. We're going to do it all. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it and it failed to live up to the expectation. But then you have people who decided, okay, cool. We're going to do like these little rowdy like showings of it where it's going to be like <laughs> people actually getting up on stage and singing along in costumes or dancing along with the show. We're going to like, you know, make cat calls at the at the screen yes i had to make that joke (laughs) and (laughs) and like you said yourself like you can't set out to make like you know a big like b movie you can't set out to make like you know a cult film it just happens to happen and you know tom hooper bless his heart you know you hate you obviously hate musicals but you accidentally made and you made one that was gonna you know get you all this prestige but instead kind of I think might have ended your career, but people are going to still watch it. More probably, more people will watch this than ever watched Les Mis. Yeah, and I mean, all 
props to to Universal Pictures. They recognized at some point they recognized what they had and they went with it. They said, yeah. you know what, this isn't going to do what we wanted to do, but it's going to work well on this other circuit. So let's give it to the midnight movie people and you know yeah. let, let let people enjoy it on the vibe that they apparently appear to be enjoying it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and Universal um, like didn't do this any favors because you know around uh, supposedly around when the trailer came out and everyone was just like, "What the frick? Mm-hmm. What? 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 Mm-hmm. They <laughs> like there were a lot of unfinished effects in there, and Tom Hooper was planning on you know having a lot of money to work with that, and they were like, "People are making fun of this. Um, maybe mm-hmm. they don't need all this money." Yeah. Well, like as soon as the first trailer came out, like the writing was on the wall. That was just nobody, nobody responded well to that trailer. Um, And they had to realize immediately, you know, we need to just we cut our losses now. I mean, this movie has to come out. We've we spent too much money for this movie not to come out. But no amount of extra special effects work is going to fix what's wrong with this movie. (laughs) And we should be happy it came out when it did, because about like four or five years later, you know, what would have happened. The studio would have been like, oh, everyone's going to make me. Everyone's making fun of this. It's costs a lot of money. Why don't we just never release them right off on our taxes? We'll just or, or we'll just, you know, quietly put it on Peacock and then that'll be that. Um, to k- kind of get into my own thing, I'm going to like first of all, I'm just going to admit straight up, I am not a fan of cats. The show, um, it is just it's not my thing. I I understand why people like it, it's just not my thing. With a couple of exceptions, the songs don't really do anything for me. And again, it's just so <laughs> it's just so fucking weird. It's so weirdly horny <laughs> in a way that just makes me feel bad. You know, like, it's just that kind of like is happening right now oh my god (laughs) but having said that you know there are other big budget musicals that i haven't enjoyed where they've come out with an adaptation it's like okay this was that that was entertaining that was pretty good but this is just such a poorly made movie that and wendy you and i were talking about this a little bit last night is that cats is first and foremost a dance show yes you know it is it it exists to showcase the dancing and when you're when your director doesn't direct dance well, you're not going to have a good show. It's not just not only, going to work. Right. And not only does he not direct dance well, but he has this weird value on capturing live vocal performance. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have um, the actors working with the orchestration. And he instead makes the orchestration follow the actors. So the meter is off on all of the big songs the meter is mm-hmm. off so the dancing is off so even like i think we talked about this in um and is it is it is the song called the gumby cat or is it yeah. jenny any dots? <laughs> it's, gumby. it's gumby cat gumby cat Her so name in, gumby, is jenny any dots. <laughs> in gumby cat you can see like there's a close-up of the cockroaches dancing which is its own fucking nightmare fuel yes they're not dancing on the rhythm nope but the dancers absolutely would have been dancing on rhythm to music, but Rebel Wilson is not following orchestration or even a fucking click track. She's just singing whatever the fuck she wants, and he's uh, encouraging it. So mm-hmm. then the performances don't sync up. That yeah. was one of my biggest pain points was her performance. And I love her as a comedian. I think she's very funny. And I feel like 
as as weird as Cats is to Dan's point, it is a weird show, you know, mm-hmm. from Broadway or movie perspective. I just feel like that performance took it and kind of destroyed the sanctity of musical theater, like exactly what you're saying in detail. I was just like, I felt like if something in the movie could feel like a mockery, this that that performance really, really pushed it over the edge for me. It's that that particular performance. It's really hard to watch if you. Yeah. I'm going to say, not even if you like the show, I'm going to say if you enjoy music. Right. Because that, that, <laughs> that actually, the original song, it's like, it, it's sung, it has two kind of um, pieces to it. Yeah. Um, who sings it? Does Monkestrap sing? Teen uh, Harry. Tum Tugger. Monkestrap uh, introduces it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's the like narrator a... cat. He's kind so of So he kind of like, he sings, when, when he sings, he has this like, very like slow kind of a delivery style. And then it cuts over to a trio. I think it's, is it just the kittens? And they're singing in like a little like 40s style, like three part harmony. And she's just, and it makes sense that there are a mass, uh, there's a huge tempo change because the two, the two people that are singing, like the soloist and the three part harmony are singing very different kinds of song, like parts of the song and very different styles that are inherently going to have very different tempos. And she's singing both parts. So it's just, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And she's also not adhering to the tempo switches in the original in the original arrangement. She's just doing what she wants. She's slowing down parts that in the original piece would be in that quicker, peppy, 40s-style three-part harmony. Mm-hmm. It's lazy, and it's sloppy, it, and it's exactly. just... It's a fun song. Like the original song is a fun song. It's a toe tapper, you know. Yeah, it is a tap. It is the tap dance number of the show. It is the feature tap, and it's. And I love that you described. There's kind of Monkestrap sings this ballad, you know. I had a Gumby cat in mine, and it's beautiful. And then you've got and when the day across the land bustle is done, and it's just like a '40s kind of, uh, you know, bugle number, so to speak. Yeah. She just doesn't honor, or she, the director, like they don't honor the composition she doesn't bring it to her performance and she's not expected to deliver it well i feel like hooper learned the wrong lesson from les mis because because he did the same thing on that everybody was singing live yeah on that on that but he had hugh jackman playing javert and it didn't like before he was you know a big a but like a list action star he was he was a broadway guy he was a guy that came up through the ranks as as a musical theater performer and he knew how to sing these things so he was able to kind of get away with it um and then so in this one when he's he's putting some some pretty name actors in in some some of these roles yeah they just don't have this like like i mean jennifer Jennifer hudson's like a fantastic singer nobody's going to pretend that she's not but she's not a musical theater performer so she can sit there and just belt the song the way that she would normally belt the song and it just doesn't fit the rhythm of how the rest because there's a lot of working parts that have to go into this into this sequence and if one of those things is off then the whole thing just doesn't work yeah yeah and she's not working under the direction the direction of you know anyone from like the orchestra she's she's like her own independent music director there's not someone working with her which would be the norm she's done this before she knows how to do this and she's Mm -hmm. just she's been giving the freedom and yet 
when you look at like the spectrum of like where especially these bigger name performers are given like carte blanche to just go ahead and and free sing like free we're going to capture a live vocal performance you just sing there's no you don't have to do anything she's the closest to following the orchestration as it's written but Mm -hmm. she's still placing some notes in different Mm -hmm. places um but you know if compare that to old deuteronomy to Mm -hmm. gus like those are very talented actors Mm -hmm. you know but they're not trained in musical theater or if they were it was a lifetime ago and this is not what they've done for their living yeah yeah or i'm gonna make all the swifties hate me that might come across this podcast taylor swift is a great singer she yeah. is not a great actress and she is not a great um and she is not great with singing musical theater. She is great with pop and mm-hmm. trying to do McCavity as a pop number just does not work. Oh. Yeah. And the yeah. song they developed for this one because you know you're doing a Broadway musical adaptation and you but you want that Oscar so you're going to make an original song. The original song they made Beautiful Ghosts is just like it's obvious that they were just that they decided to wait to the last minute to finish writing that thing. And then the, and then the actress who's playing Victoria, when she sings it, it, she seems lost because she literally learned the song 20 minutes earlier. Yeah. And it doesn't really belong. It's like, it's like when they, uh, again, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote, wrote the sequel to Phantom of the Opera. Love never dies. Like the song version, like you didn't need it. don't insert something that it doesn't need to have more. We're already dealing with a bunch of weird shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. like it's not unusual for uh, for a movie adaptation of a musical to have a new song in it. Right. That's very very common. Yeah. Well, and this They're is almost why. never good. Yeah. Because hmm? you need you want to have the for your consideration Oscar song, right? right? Yeah. Uh, they're almost never any good though. I can't off the top of my head think of any that have like actually added to the. I will the say you must love me in from Evita. Okay. Yeah, that actually is. Yeah, that's a good yeah, song. Yeah, that was pretty good. That is a good song. Okay, I would definitely give you that. So we only had to go back like what twenty five years <laughs> to another Lloyd <laughs> Webber adaptation. Yeah. Also, um, that the actual lyrics to that song are really shitty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, so right? Vita. Like, so, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, not the, not the, not the play. I actually think the play's got some great songs in it. But I mean, Ava Perone. That's so, the whole point of the play. I was actually thinking of Beautiful Ghosts, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes to everything you just said about Evita and that song specifically. <laughs> Sorry. But Beautiful Ghosts is like, yeah, okay, your life is a complete shit show right now, but at least you have good memories. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll take advice from you, weird little girl that li- that got thrown out the back of a car by a human. And it's like, why do we even have a human in Cats? Mm-hmm. There are no humans yeah. in cats, and there yet there were humans in this cats. Yeah, and also Victoria. Let me just re- re- reiterate that Victoria in the musical, she's the dance interlude. In the script, you'll literally see Victoria the dance cat, and she's supposed to just do this beautiful ballet number in the moonlight, and that's it. Why they gave her plot, or again, air quotes. <laughs> oh, they gave her a plot. They gave her a love interest because her and Miss... Mr. Mistopheles are, and then also everyone wants to get into like her ca- into her pants. So, well, I guess, and again, this is just just me speculating. I mean, you know, that they wanted to kind of have 
some kind of storytelling device where it wasn't just everybody standing in front of old Deuteronomy saying, okay, tell me who you are. They wanted to introduce people and they used Victoria as a means to do that. I can understand that. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, like to the point of like, like there's no humans and cats, you know, like the whole thing of, of having cats in the human world, it's interesting. It would work if they had any idea of how big a cat was. If they had just the slightest idea. Oh, and they can't even be consistent with how big a cat is. If they could just be consistent, maybe we could buy into it. Like maybe this is the world's largest train track, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe they're tap dancing on like the giant World's Fair blow up version of what a train track is supposed to look like. And in like the span of like two minutes, you can go from where uh, where apparently they're going from the length of a ca- the cats being as tall as their length if they were standing on their feet to how tall they are if they're on all fours mm-hmm. with absolutely no indication of why they changed between one scene and the other. <laughs> and... It would. I like then the thing that I think really makes the stage version work so well is that you have you have cat people pretending to be cats, not but people imitating cats. Let's go with that. But as humans, as opposed to you know the film where they are people who are supposed to be acting as cats, <laughs> acting as cats, act like cats, but. But I think what they did, it was almost like they said, okay, so Cats has been done, the musical. So this that's exactly, it was pure. It was like, these are humans, again, da- feature, feature dancing, right? The singing, some of the singing was Grizabella's role is meant to be the singer, right? But the rest are dancers who can sing. And they were humans imitating cats. But this was like, he, the movie took it to another layer of like, can you verbalize it, Wendy? It's like, humans... <laughs> Again, like there are three layers and one was unnecessary. Well, I think that like in the theater, we have a different kind of suspension of belief yeah. or suspension of disbelief than we have yeah. in a film, right? In a theater, I am willing to accept this 19-year-old dancer in a leotard and yak hair as a cat. <laughs> they are giving, she is serving cat, I believe cat. Um, but also the the in the stage musical, like they, they do a lot of like, like the way that they move is very feline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, really. And they, and in the film, they really don't like, sometimes they'll intentionally get down on all fours and kind of walk that way. But I feel like they're never really, I'm never looking at them saying like, that's a cat. No. I'm looking at them saying like, that's like some kind of weird cat Brown Jenkin nightmare. <laughs> um, it's not, it's not the same kind of thing. So that when one of them does something, overtly cat-like like lick their crotch or scratch themselves or like kind of come in for a nuzzle it's very disconcerting it is it's, yeah, the it's nuzzling the nuzzling made me so do you remember we were both like skeeving like <laughs> like what yeah it was like humans imitating humans that were imitating cats and yes. like mm-hmm. right that's what i was trying to say like, and the nuzzling was uncomfortable because it was human nuzzling not feel I yeah I, mm. and well, this I movie think... it's so horny <laughs> it's so horny right but it's horny in a different way than the show it's horny the show's kind of horny too the show, the show is, is fucking also... unbelievably horny it is the show and the show is super <laughs> gay right it's mm-hmm. absolutely implied right whereas like there's that's absolutely not in the film at all <laughs> right like, like I feel like own this if stuff. you watch 
like if you if you like if you go see the like you watch the play they're being like unbelievably fucking feline and horny and whatever and but once you're like 15 minutes into act one you've kind of taken it on board and okay this is what we're doing for the next couple of hours all right i get it fine but they do so little of it in the movie that when they do it it immediately makes you go oh my god why is he doing that oh my god what is happening people don't do this what are you talking because they don't they're not very cat-like in this movie they're really really not it's like a afterthought and Mm -hmm. it just it's always jarring yeah if they could stay committed that would be great but literally i i don't mind when in films they restructure where the songs are Mm -hmm. if tom hooper had been smart old gumby cat would not have been the third number in here because when you're because you're trying to make your social contract with your audience and literally you have rebel wilson unzipping her fur and having a (sighs) jumpsuit underneath it which is something that will that none of the other cats do you have Mm -hmm. her going and eating little roach evil roach um people you have like the weird floating like kids faces on the mice Mm-hmm. Oh, that <laughs> was so weird. That was one of the most I forgot about. I think I blocked it out. Like if, <laughs> it's traumatic. Yeah. If it would have went right to Rum Tum Tugger, I think the film might have had a chance. Mm-hmm. You oh, maybe. because Rum Tum Tugger is just it's it's a fun number. It's would be great as like your third number, and then you do Old Gumby Cat. Because and you're just like Rum Tum Tugger is like the MC of the entire thing because mm-hmm. honestly that's what his role is a lot of times in the musical itself. Mm-hmm. And then also you let Rum Tum Tugger and Mister Misopheles have their thing instead of oh no they both they're both into Victoria. Mm-hmm. And also J and also at one point you have Jason Derulo as um, Rum Tum Tugger which mostly works except for apparently there was a time where they had to um, CGI out his dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the unitard again the unitard. Mm-hmm. you know um in the musical when we did the show i remember like we're all like adolescents in theater camp and they only put like strategically placed we didn't use really yak hair oddly but um only some cats got strategically placed fur and we were all begging for fur we were like please cover our entire bodies in fur so i feel like they could have done something to avoid having to cgi out his his junk mm-hmm. Also, it's called a dance belt, people. Yes. <laughs> I was reading that I guess they initially were trying like the whole unitard and face fur and things. It just didn't work on film. They just couldn't. Oh. It just didn't look right. Interesting. Um, but I you mean, know. it looks great in the like 1987, 1987 filmed stage play. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that was like that was like on that was on video and that was like a much smaller scale thing than than what this is. I don't know. At the end know, of the I'd day, they they, they had one. the That's money such to a better production. <laughs> they had the money to to put in buttholes and then get rid of them again. So I guess they just decided that's what they were gonna free the butthole focus cut. On. <laughs> yeah, who needs the Snyder cut? We need the butthole cut. <laughs> Lauren, you look confused. Do you? Uh... No, I, I do want you to explain this butthole. Very. <laughs> Wendy, why don't you do this? Because I know this may, this brings you great joy. <laughs> so you may not have thought about this when you were watching the film, 
but there are a lot of cats with their tails up very high. There are a lot of cat like rear shots, but there are absolutely no cat buttholes in this movie. And as a person I know who has had a pet cat, cats are very proud of their buttholes. They are. And will take any opportunity, stick them in your face to show them on camera. There are absolutely none in this film. At one point when they were working on the CGI, they were doing the buttholes. No, they weren't. Were they? That's the word. And there was apparently an entire cut of the film with that. I would like to see that. And it was taken. It was taken. (laughs) Because here's the thing. I don't know (laughs) how many people would watch this movie with the with the intent of like seeing James Corden's pretend butthole (laughs) and then saying, I'm going in the other room for 10 minutes. Don't bother me. (laughs) I don't know how many people. It's not zero. Yeah. It's not and zero. It is. Not it's zero. not zero, and and I believe this very intently. You do you, do whatever you want. It's totally up to you. James Corden gets to go into this situation ahead of time, knowing that his pretend butthole is going to be on screen. I have a <laughs> feeling know? Taylor Swift had something to do with it. Like I feel like they would never give Maybe. her a butthole. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And then you have Idris Elba, like almost every single one of these actors, you know, they are very, they are kind of very sexless, like for being a horny film, like it's obvious. Okay. Yeah. No, these, this is just everything. Idris Elba has apps. Mm-hmm. He does. And it, his, and also like the actual, like his, his skin tone is the same as his cat skin tone. Which is a problem because <laughs> McCavity is a ginger cat. And it says so in the lyrics. <laughs> like in this movie, they didn't change that. No, they're telling us she that he's still a sings. McCaffrey's a ginger cat, but he's like, not. He's I'm the color of Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> Which Even I appreciate, but at the same time, yeah, because yeah, I mean, I noticed that because, like, again, he spends most of this movie like in a trench coat and hat, right? And then about two thirds of the way through, he takes those off, and he's just. Idris Elba as a cat in a cat suit and I'm like I feel like I should I should be more interested in Idris Elba than I am why <laughs> you know like they they worked very hard to not make him look good I feel like but what do you think this is one thing that came to my mind watching this like you've got Sir Ian McKellen and you've got Dame Judi Dench and you've got Idris Elba and all of these pretty high caliber performers do you think they went back to their trailers at the like what do you think they their process like what did they go through at the end of each day did they reflect <laughs> on this daily after each take or did they realize at the end of it all what 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 was the product here like i this is what i try to do i try to get in their heads like do you think dame judy dench was like sitting here like that was that was awesome that's great that was great you know i don't know anything about them so this is my own personal headcanon but i would like to believe that every day after shooting dane judy and sir ian just went back to a trailer and got really high oh yeah and, like and counted and counted their money um like for this film like, yeah. Like, yeah. like 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 sir ian was just kind of like slumped in his chair going i was in richard the <laughs> third dame judy dench is just like uh Vin is not going to let me live this down at our next D&D game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have to think that they've seen cats. They know to some extent what they were in for. They knew exactly what they were signing up for. They couldn't have possibly known how bad it was going to turn out because so much of how it was turned out is down to the direction 
down to the editing, down to the special effects, down to just choices that were made after they were done with what they were doing. But I feel like there, there's some, there's there is actually really interesting speculation to be made here. And I would also love to know because these are seasoned professionals, like the top of their craft. They have not, what I know them for is not musical theater. I don't know what their early careers were. I don't know what their training was, but they certainly have been to the theater <laughs> and they are familiar with how things work. And they have to be fundamentally familiar with the idea of working with the orchestra. But instead, they just do their own fucking thing. And they're encouraged to do their thing by a director who's mad and drunk with power, um, <laughs> you know, because of the success of of, of the, his desecration of Les Mis. <laughs> and they just, I mean, they clearly like leaned into it because there, there, there are other performers who are, who are not well known um for film work um like we talked about the actor who played um skimble shanks is a great example i believe his name is Stephen mccray and he is a dancer and he's a dancer who can sing right he a thousand percent knows how to do that he did not lean into he's gonna free sing fuck no he leaned into give me my orchestration Mm -hmm. give me my click track we're gonna do this on tempo we're not gonna have a, a meter nightmare i understand how musical theater works yeah. Um, and you know, and there are others that 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 clearly made that choice as well. Or there are times when you're working with the whole company when you just have to because they can't free sing. They they have to work with that. But I don't, I don't know. Like I would, I would also love to know, um, because they know how this works. They have friends who know how this works. There's no way that they have no familiarity with this. Mm-hmm. Old Deuteronomy is like the glue of the stage show you know and and gus mm. does gus doesn't even sing his song his song is sung about him yeah by bombalarina so in the musical she narrates it's beautiful because she she narrates his story which is beautiful and it, it is actually in the musical it's pretty chilling so he yeah yeah it's by, uh, and that's a big switch that they made in this film right isn't it yeah. is it right that in the the stage production it's not that the cats sing their own song but someone is there as their hype man to sing about them exactly. you know jenny any dots does have a little bit of of she has a few lines in her in in the old gumby cat song but she's not the one singing the old gumby cat song yeah. Gus is not the one singing um his song bus for jones has maybe a couple of lines in bus for jones right right so we gotta let james corden sing yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, I, I was watching like, like to my knowledge, the only time I can remember anybody doing anything like this was when Sir Ian McKellen was kind of at the little bowl of water, and he was just kind of <laughs> like lapping away at the bowl of water. Like, oh, Sir and it was Ian, really no. disconcerting, right? Not for this movie, no. <laughs> I blocked that out too. I really did. I like, I know that. he's very game for anything. Like, he will pretty much do whatever the director asks him to do and not worry about that kind of thing. But, oh, dude, no. <laughs> I, think we, I think in the theater, when we went to see it in the theater, I think we both audibly like made it made us like, no, like, I think we both, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Gandalf, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> He's meowing a couple times in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. so 
when the League of Extraordinary Gentle came out, when came out, Sean Connery did a series of interviews in which he talked about the fact that he had turned down a number of films, including, I believe he was offered, was he offered Gandalf? He was. He was offered Gandalf. And he turned it down because he didn't understand it. And um, he took that role, uh, what is he, Quartermain? In, in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, because he didn't understand it, but he wasn't going to miss out. And I wonder if there's a similar thing here. Like, I don't understand what this director is doing, but I'm not going to miss out being in the next big Hooper musical adaptation. But I feel like to some extent, like there's absolutely no possible way that Ian McKellen hadn't seen Cats at some point in the last 40 years, you know? Are you even allowed to like work in the theater and not have seen London, cats. especially. I mean, there Andrew Lloyd Webber yeah. is from. It's all London theater people, producers, yeah. Trevor Nunn, all of the John Napier, all of the Cameron McIntosh produced it. They're all the same theater group in London. I'm sure he's mm-hmm. seen it multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Ian McKellen is a very gay man. I've seen him dancing to Kylie Minogue on SNL in the background. Yeah, and. <laughs> Literally, his episode where he hosted um, Kylie Minogue was the guest was the guest um, musician, and you literally see him like dancing along with "You Can't Get I Can't Get Out of My Head." It's like it's terrific. Anyway, back to the point. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I feel like Ian McKellen is the person who looked at everything that Tom Hooper was doing, and rather than correcting him, decided, you know what, gonna get my paycheck. But I'm also going to just, I'm going to have the time of my life here. Yeah. I'm going to just, I'm going to meow. I'm going to lap up that, me- I'm going to lap up that water. I'm going to, you know, just, t- I'm going to Rex Harrison my song as much as I can. <laughs> yeah. And he's not the only person who's guilty of Rex Harrison their no. singing. I mean, Judy Dench is doing it big time. Yeah. And, which is Plus, sad because Judy Dench actually ha- played Sally Bowles back in like the 70s. Right. Plus, you got to think too with Ian McKellen. He's like, you know what? I'm doing this, but next year I'll do something really good, and it'll all balance out, and it'll all be fine. This is not going to be the thing they remember me for, so I can yeah. just have fun. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, I was fucking Magneto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I really enjoyed. So, like Jennifer Hudson, even though she's not a musical theater actress. Um, memory is such a beautiful you know it's what everyone knows the ballad the big ballad of the show and i think i was listening to it today a little bit and i think she nailed the emotion of like that was one of the movies for me saving graces mm-hmm. she nailed the emotion and and her voice is stunning but um as weird as the character again the character i use air quotes <laughs> grizabella the glamour cat was actually by the way wasn't included in old possum's book of practical cats I think Andrew Lloyd Webber got his hands on it from the executor of T.S. Eliot's estate later and added it to the show for for some intrigue. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think she did it justice. I was happy. She she did. Um, What I've heard about that is like they knew that they had their show, but they didn't have their showstopper. Right. And he had written the um, the 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 music. He had the the melody line Mm -hmm. from. He would just write things, you know, if he couldn't use it in a show, it went in the file for later. And he just, he knew he had this music, but he didn't have any lyrics. And that's exactly what he did. They went to the estate yep. and got a poem. Yep. And and now we have memory. 
and he didn't he thought it was too dark for children because it was a children's book it was a chill it was meant for his granddaughter actually um mm -hmm. and i think the word jellical because oh my god for years what the fuck does jellical what is jellical like even in a like, there's no british reference to jellical there's no it was i guess came from a mispronunciation by his granddaughter of another word or a name i was reading about this yeah pollicle and jellical are uh poor little dogs and dear little cats thank you i was just Aww. reading that yeah, yeah. Very cute. But, you know, I'll be jellical, Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they can. What are non jellicals I mean, you've got romantical cats, pedantical cats, critical cats, parasitical cats, <laughs> allegorical cats, cats, metaphorical. Yeah. I know. I never noticed that line until Rabinical last night. cat? Yes, I hadn't noticed it before. Oh, yeah. Yes, there are rabbinical cats. Rabinical cats. Jellical cats are made of foam. Jellical cats drink <laughs> Jellical cats drink Diet Coke. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, I was just going to say one more thing about memory. It's like at the end, they do this amazing because in, in Cats the Musical, like all that happens is the cat, Grizabella, is chosen and she goes up in what I used to think looked like a UFO. Like I was like, she's getting into a spaceship. <laughs> Because the way they did it, do you remember that? Because why not? I do. I remember thinking it was like a spaceship too, but it's it's right. not. It's not. But then they took it to like what? Describe the end. Someone who's more articulate than I, please describe the end scene. It was beautiful, but it was. <laughs> I just know a chandelier balloon is a poor substitute for a giant tire rising into the sky. Oh, right, you're yeah. with lights. That's right. well, and I think that's something that we haven't talked about that I think would be kind of interesting to talk about because I made a bunch of notes on the businesses. So in the in the stage production, Cats is set like it's in a it's in a junkyard, isn't okay. it? Mm -hmm. It's in a junkyard, right? So a there are no people in the junkyard. It's just cats at night. This is where they've come to meet. Um, and and b like every time like props are needed, they're kind of improvised from the trash. Yeah. Like during the old Gummy Cat number, like they they. They don't have actual mice there. Like the cats kind of look like mice with like things they've pulled together from the trash heap and held them up to look like mice. And the same so thing the happens with the positive dog. That Andrew Lloyd Webber has seen Godspell. <laughs> 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 and the 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 UF like the the UFO that takes her away at the end. It, is it like a tire? I always it thought is it was tire, like a but it trash really can is. lid. So it's a, it's a giant tire. Whereas yeah. here they're existing in the human world. And 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 somebody had a lot of fun writing puns because they're in all of these businesses are ridiculous. There's like the Brown Whiskers Diner, the Canine Club. There's a Cat Sino. There's the Milk Bar. Um, there 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 are posters up for some some plays that are happening like Mousetrap um, and Cat in the Canary. Um, there's the did I say the meow club already? No, but and it bears repeating if you had, but there's there's a dairy truck at one point that they kind of like stumble into and it's the Catford Dairy. Um and then of course the place that they meet is the Egyptian theater, which is all kind of dedicated to cats. None of this nonsense exists. No, no. In the stage play. It's all set in a complete cat world, which is also maybe why it's so much easier to buy into like, yeah, we're watching cats. Mm -hmm. I mean because they're I not would... human world. I would have been happy if they would have went the extra mile and instead of, you know, um, 
McCavity having a barge, you know, randomly in the middle of the Thames, if instead he had a catamaran. Oh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I feel like I feel like if Dave was here, he would right now be shouting Ackerman! <laughs> Ackerman! <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed that as part of the musical where like the Skimbleshanks, the railway cat number, um, they went around the junkyard, they had a, an umbrella like halfway open for the front grill of the, the locomotive and like they really pulled together a train with all of these common things you'd find in, the, in a human junkyard, like with human waste in it, human garbage. And it just pulled, another thing that pulled me way out of what world am I in right now? You know? Yeah. Cause like, that's a great number, but all I can focus on are the scale of the cats to the rail, like the rail, the train beam track thing. And also the fact that all of the cats suddenly have on tap shoes. Mm-hmm. And those cats are just randomly wearing sneakers. Why are they wearing sneakers? Well, because that's the twins and they're hip hop dancers or they're like fusion dancers. And oh, that's, that's what they funny. do. But why is it the, but it's the forties. <laughs> But the twins, though, they're the twins, though. You just have to know, like, and that's such a random thing. Like, I don't know. Do, do, do the general do people know who they are if they are not somehow connected to the dance world? I don't. I don't know. Well, like, they're really well known in the dance world. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really innovative. In fact, they like part of part of what they they do now. Um, is they, they go around and they perform and they teach. They they teach their they teach their cats choreographies now. Um, but they're really big dancers. And they're they're cast in in the film, but you would never know that if you didn't look up who are those two cats. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, it's the twins. So I do want to do one thing. I want Will. I'll start with you. Can you just tell tell me something you liked about this movie? I mean, okay. I for all the problems with you know the with you know little things with um with how the music's done. Jennifer Hudson definitely has a when she when Jennifer Hudson goes on concert in like twenty years and is doing her greatest hits, she's doing memory in there. Mm-hmm. Like she Jennifer Hudson um gives a good performance. Skimble Shanks is obviously just like a great number all around, and I'll fully admit is this the, I was never not entertained watching this okay. like I always found myself you know paying attention to the film like a lot of times a movie I can st- I'll be like okay cool and look at my phone and it's just like no 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 I need to pay attention because I might miss the next horror that happens <laughs> and I don't want to miss it all I don't want to miss a single bit of it Mm-hmm. How about you, Lauren? What what's, what are some things that you you enjoyed? Um, Skimble Shanks, the number was really it got me as excited as the, it gave me the same feeling I get when I'm sitting in in the theater watching mm-hmm. and listening to familiar songs, and it just makes me well up, you know, because it was just so heartfelt. And he's a he's a, a professional dancer, and it was just well done. Um, Jennifer Hudson was another highlight. And also, I think this, from a cinematography perspective, the photography, the, the setting of London, I think they captured, you know, the rainy streets of London well. Um, it nice, yeah. yeah, it looked nice. Um, the backdrops and uh, the lighting captured, captured that for me. Excellent. And yourself, Wendy? 
I mean, Skittle Shanks, right? Yeah. Um, Jennifer Hudson's fantastic. I really enjoyed um, Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser's number. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of weird things about it, but the overall energy and the design, um, it's very playful. It's very, it's very much what I would have expected from that number. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, it's just really pretty to watch. Yeah, I'll agree with everybody, I think, with the uh, the Skimbleshanks number, if for no other reason that Hooper kept his fucking camera still and just <laughs> let us see what was going on. Like, we were actually able to see the dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Mistopheles, not necessarily the number, although it was that was fine, but the actor doing the, mm-hmm. the, the job, I thought, I, I liked him. I thought he was very appealing. Um... And there were lots of moments where James Corden was not on screen. (laughs) (laughs) So I do have to add one other thing I appreciate about this film. Mm -hmm. We had like a long period where there were a lot of like gritty, realistic musicals in in the 2010s. Like, and I feel like this and Dear Evan Hansen were the death knell of that. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like looking at looking at basically at everything that we're seeing with like the wicked adaptation that's but probably coming out eventually. I don't know if it will I'm or so not. Scared. But it looks like it's colorful. Mm-hmm. It's it looks it looks doesn't look like every other film that they release during the month of December that is specifically created just to like get an Oscar Mm -hmm. it. And I'm hoping, you know, it's a case where it's leading into, you know, better things as opposed to being like strike three, because we get a, we get an Andrew Lloyd Webber adaptation, like every 10 years and they are hit. They are very hit or miss. Jesus Christ. Superstar was, it was all right, but it was nothing special. Avita, Are you talking about the one from a couple of years ago? Or are you talking the, about the one from the seventies? Yeah, the one from the seventies and eighties. Okay. Um, we had the adaptation. We had the adaptation of Vita, which was, I think, fairly decent. Not the best, but fairly decent. Yeah, Phantom of the Opera, which I love. I love Joel Shoemaker. Uh, there's way too much talk singing in it and then you have this and you know whenever somebody decides to finally finally you know give glenn close what she wants then give her her um sunset boulevard adaptation like 27 in 2027 when she is much much too old to be playing norma desmond Maybe it'll be colorful. Maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be, you know, bright. Maybe they'll film it in black and white instead of in color. And where Norma Desmond is literally sitting in the middle of her big number when she should be standing when, and using her full diaphragm. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. And well, Annie was a musical before it was a movie, Little Orphan Annie and a comic, right? Um, That was, that movie was brilliant in my opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. Wizard of Oz was a play, a musical before, actually it was a play, and then it was a musical, and then it was a movie. And then we had, um, what was the other one I was thinking of? Sound of Music was a play, a musical Mm -hmm. first, right? Uh Those were amazing films. Oh, yeah. 
Chicago is Chicago. one of my favorite films. Yeah. Cabaret. Cabaret music, with Liza, music man. right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's possible. It's doable, right? There are Absolutely more, doable. Yeah, there are more good state uh, film adaptations of stage musicals than I think there are bad ones. Yeah. And the problem is you have the bad ones always fail so big that it almost <laughs> completely kills any attempt to continue onward. This, Hello Dolly. Um, there's a there's just so many that it's just like I'm and it makes me sad because I yeah. I love musicals. If you done well, stage adaptation uh, film adaptations of stage musicals are great. And sometimes you get you get this, sometimes you get the producers where they might as well just film the film them on stage. Why even bother? Yeah. Because I know that like over the past few years while we've been in lockdown, there have been a few like in the heights. Oh, that's the West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg West Side oh, yeah. Story, that kind of got straight to to streaming, but um, so never really got the chance to make that box office dent. But probably could have done pretty well if I mean, In the Heights would have been huge if it had. I mean, they both had limited theatrical releases, but people just weren't going to the movies at that point. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Wendy and I saw In the Heights in the theater, right? Didn't we? Yeah, we sure it did. Was, it's be- It was beautiful. I mean, we both left like with chills. I think mm-hmm. I cried. I, you were crying. Yeah, I was. I yeah. was bawling. I think, you know, you can speak for yourself. <laughs> but um, no, we, we've seen some amazing adaptations in our in our time. But I think it's those adaptations that are just better done are done by are made by folks that understand how musical theater works. Yeah, and tend to film them. I mean, In the Heights isn't filmed like a stage show, but it's true um. to the stage show. Right. It doesn't. Yeah. It just has the privilege of like you don't have to imagine the scene is taking place at a pool. You don't have to imagine the venue change. We're going to actually have it. But film and stage have very different needs and abilities. And you have to. You're making a. You know. You want to make a movie that's true to the play, but while at the same time taking advantage of what it can do as a movie. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. yeah, and I was I was listening to I think I was I think this came up in uh, Lindsay Ellis's Why Is Cats, which is a fantastic video <laughs> essay if you've not seen it, um, and and she's actually talking about how a lot of modern stage productions really won't translate well into cinema. Like Hamilton is a great example. Mm-hmm. Hamilton's a phenomenal stage show. Hamilton has what like two props in it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. all like actors pantomiming imagining thing there's a person who's a bullet like it's not to try and translate that to the medium of film it just isn't going to work so we're very lucky that they did you know that that cast that the filming of the original cast um because if someone tries to make that into like an actual like film production it's just it's gonna be bad yeah and hilariously, it's like the films that were originally like, you know, f- that were originally like films and got ad- adapted into stage musicals. And then are those seem to be like the ones that I think have the most potential. I want to see like a film adaptation of Beetlejuice, the musical, the musical, the musical. I want to <laughs> see a, I want to see a film adaptation of Heather's. <laughs> I yes, I wore a Heather shirt I see specifically for this. <laughs> and I but I never need to see a stage music. I never need to see a film adaptation of Hades Town. I never need to see a a stage a, a film adaptation of Six. Right, but like like this like the the film adaptation of 
uh, Hairspray, right? Where you've got the movie and then that became a musical and now it's a movie musical again. That, that, that I mean, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it doesn't rely on it having been a, a movie first. No. So. No, it doesn't. And and the film, the stage adaptation of Hairspray is, it's fun and it absolutely captures the essence of the movie Hairspray, but it's not the movie Hairspray. Right. Yeah. It's like understanding both medium, right? If you're not going to be, like, if you don't understand why would they have someone directing a movie who's never directed a movie before? Like there should always be, I mean, I don't even know who consulted. I know choreography wise that choreography came of the original choreography, but did he work with anyone from the theater? I, I feel like I should know that, but I don't like have a consultant, have somebody who's been part of producing the stage production. And I don't know. I feel like there was no presence there. I mean, I feel like these adaptations are like an exercise in hubris. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Well, I'm I'm curious, too, because I know that one of like it's been a while since I've seen a lot of movie musicals in the theater. And I think the last one I saw would have been Into the Woods, um, which I know Wendy has definite ideas about because that's one of her favorite shows. Because mm-hmm. um, that's that struck me as pretty good a pretty, pretty good. decent adaptation of a musical but was it like did it bring anything to the story that wasn't already there no i think the stage production is magical i mean yeah. right do you agree yeah i mean you know the film adaptation is a lot of fun it makes um, it makes it very accessible and i think Chris Pine is great yeah i mean <laughs> oh, oh yes i mean a lot of the people in it are great but they're not Sondheim is its own special subset of, yes. you know, musical theater. Mm-hmm. Sondheim is different. There, there are, are people that specialize in Sondheim interpretation, mm-hmm. um, and I think that it makes it makes Sondheim very accessible to the masses. And I think that can only be a good thing to get mm-hmm. people interested because I think that there are a lot of people who say that they love musical theater, but they they don't understand. Like you know, g- give them company or Sunday in the Park with George, and they're just they don't understand. Right. And I think that that's fair because I think that it's, it's maybe both an acquired taste and also you have to develop an appreciation for what's happening because what's happening at sometimes sounds really simple and it is in fact the most complex thing ever and sometimes sounds really complex and off-putting, but it's, it's not as complex as you might think. It's, it's sometimes it's its own magical subset. Um, but specifically to make that accessible and to cast recognizable actors, they compromised a lot. Who, who plays the witch? Is it Glenn Close? No, it was Meryl Streep. And Meryl Streep, Meryl excuse Streep me. Meryl phenomenal. My goodness. But it wasn't. It wasn't she's not a Sondheim diva. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Very few people on this planet can handle that song. Absolutely. She could yeah, not like, handle that song. We <laughs> only have Christine Baranski in the film in a very unthinkable role when the witch was right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder if she would have been a good witch. She would have been great. Oh, yeah. Which I guess is a question that I have about things like this. Because again, things like this or Sweeney Todd, the Tim Burton Sweeney Todd, that make these Sondheim so accessible, does that do it a disservice by making people think that it's actually a lot easier to do than it is? Because Sondheim <laughs> is notoriously impossible if you're not a very special kind of trained. He did it great. Yeah. He did a great job with it, I thought. Um, yeah. I, that's a really good question. And I think that's part of why Cats upset me. Um, mm-hmm. Is because these are these movies are a chance to make musical theater accessible to people who might not be able to get to the theater. Mm-hmm. And 
that and also to to help encourage a love of theater to bring people to the theater in the future right and this does this tells people everything that's wrong with the theater. Yeah. You know, this is this is a commercial to never go to the theater. <laughs> Maybe Tom Hooper thought it was like I can do this, right? Like like to Dan's point, like I got this. No, you didn't. <laughs> didn't have this. Yeah. <laughs> you need, like Ron Howard to come in and do a voiceover for us. <laughs> Tom Hooper, in fact, did not have it. <laughs> <laughs> But I guess the real question everybody has is, A, when is Roller Disco going to come back? And B, when it does, are we finally going to get the Starlight Express? Yes. I've been waiting for my shot to make that joke. Oh. <laughs> we, we, get it, we get a Lloyd Webber every 10 years. Here's for Starlight Express being the next yes. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, does anybody want to sum up Starlight Express for folks that may not know what we're talking about? I'm sure Horny trains. Horny trains. <laughs> roller skates. Um, I know somebody who was in the Broadway production, and it was. <laughs> Did they break their ankle? He said it was the most terrifying thing they've ever done in their life. Like <laughs> there was no. I mean, you relied on this. Remember those stopping nubs on your roller skates at mm-hmm. the front? But remember how scary it was to tip your foot that far forward to stop it. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah, because you were just kind of. Yeah, like you're in. Like you're they were going down ramps and speeding around and like they said there were so many disasters during rehearsals oh uh, yeah I, I i don't remember who made it but I, I watched a video essay about starlight express ages ago um and it one of the big things is all of the injuries yeah all of the injuries they were constant people were constantly banged up yep roller derby with songs <laughs> oh was it um oh way in the wings not- Oh, maybe. Um, then what is who? What is the name of the actor on 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 Thirty Rock? She was Jenna. Christine. Oh, not Christine Krakowski. Jane Krakowski. <laughs> Jane Krakowski. I, be- yes. I believe Jane Krakowski was in the original cast. She was. And she's got she's she's got stories about just being absolutely like destroyed from it. It was just really hard on everybody's body. Yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber, man. Yeah, he's a, he's a quite a. He, he likes cats. It's about oh, cats. well unless anybody has anything else that we haven't talked about yet i think that's a good note to wrap up on Uh, i have one last little note i need to make go for it a cat is not a dog a pizza is not a fish a snail (laughs) is not a broom and a chicken is not a pumpkin I can't argue with that whatsoever. Lauren, thank you so much. For oh, you're on. welcome. This, it was, was, a this was really great. Thank you. That was that was really fun. Thank you for for bringing that to it. No um, Will, I blame you for all of this. Uh, so you're no problem. <laughs> Glad to help. <laughs> I know Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Thanks you too. <laughs> okay. Bye. Channel 37's Midnight Movie Show was presented by Wendy Abramo, Will Ackerman, Lauren Shamitz, and DJ Toland. Sure, it's cute when my cat sticks his butt in your face. But whenever I do it it's, you're drunk, and, get out of the bingo hall, and, did you eat anything besides beans today?
my last one was Birds of Prey, but mm, I definitely saw this in theaters, and there was definitely a thought that was like, oh god, this is COVID is God's revenge against our uh, sins. <laughs> <laughs> <For sure. laughs> 